Have a seat. There are two readings this morning, the second of which comes from Acts, which we'll look at in a minute, but the first is from the second book of Timothy, chapter 3, and can be found on page 1196. So, 2 Timothy 3, and beginning at verse 10. A final charge to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now we turn to Acts, chapter 17, beginning at verse 10, and this can be found on page 1113. So Acts 17 from verse 10. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned what Paul was preaching, that he was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Thanks very much. We're going to uh, have a look mainly at uh, uh, the first passage there. So if you'd like to turn back to page 1196, 
Um, but we're also going to do a little bit of history as well because we're going to be finding out a bit about the Reformation this morning and uh, this particular uh, leg on which the Reformation was built. So we're going to pray and uh, then we'll get going. Father, thank you. Um, well, we thank you for the Reformation. Thank you for Martin Luther and many others who were very brave people and uh, changed not just the church but the world. And we pray you'd help us to understand all about this just a little bit more this morning. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, it all began on uh, Tuesday week, Halloween, 500 years ago, when Martin Luther uh, nailed his 95 theses to the church door in Wittenberg. Uh, that's about half an hour on the train from Berlin. And uh, they, uh, he wanted to have an academic discussion about the, the, uh, the, the sale of indulgences. The idea of indulgences was that uh, if you bought an indulgence, you bought yourself time off purgatory. Uh, purgatory doesn't exist, but that was what the church were doing. They were selling time off something that didn't exist. What a con. And, uh, and anyway, Luther nailed his 95 theses, arguments, to the church door in Wittenberg. That's what you did in those days if you wanted to have an academic discussion about stuff. And uh, what it did, it, uh, it sparked a, an unstoppable movement within the medieval church, which decisively changed not just the church but the world forever. And it is a huge thing, this Reformation. It affects our lives today, every day. And now this week, we've remembered, haven't we, just uh, earlier on in the week when we've been having storms and so on, uh, we've remembered, are we going to click today? We're not very good at clicking, are we? Derek, could you click for us? There we go. Uh, we remembered the great storm in 87, and uh, I don't know if you remember that. A uh, ship just uh, beached on the... Uh, on the, just below the cliffs there. I think that was a really good picture of the medieval church just before the Reformation. Uh, free of its moorings, the anchors dragged in big trouble and now beached and hopeless and no use to uh, anyone at all, really. Uh, a desperate state before the Reformation 500 years ago. Now, we've got five sermons uh, this morning, this evening. Uh, next week, we're going to have a break for our mission awareness weekend, and then we come back to the Reformation uh, the following Sunday. And there are, if you like, there are five legs on which the Reformation is built. So this isn't clicking at all. So click, please. And uh, the first one is Scripture alone. The fact that Scripture alone is our highest authority, the Bible's where we find the truth about salvation. We're also, tonight, we're going to look at faith alone, that faith in Jesus Christ alone saves us. Uh, then we're going to be having a look in a couple of weeks' time at uh, uh, um, it's sola, these were in Latin, first of all, so it's sola scriptura, okay, this morning, a couple of weeks' time, sola Christi, Christ alone, our Saviour, then grace alone, saved by grace, and not by anything that we do, but simply and purely by God's grace, and then finally, to the glory of God alone. But this morning, sola scriptura, scripture alone. How can you know about salvation? How do we know how to get saved? That's the question this morning. And the answer is, not through mystical experiences, not through thinking about it, not even through the teaching of the church, actually, but simply through Scripture alone. That is the one true place where vo God's voice is promised to be heard. And we've got an outline on our sheet. So first of all, a little history. And uh, the first one of those is Martin Luther. Here's a picture of him. There's Martin Luther, and there's a picture of the guy. And um, 
As we saw on the uh, Playmobil video earlier on, he was a monk, much troubled by his own sinfulness and how he could be uh, put right with God, how he could be saved. And it's um, uh, probably best to think of Martin Luther in terms of uh, slightly about his looks, but mainly about his character and his volume, that he was a a shorter and, especially in later life, a rather more rotund and uh, um, probably quite, yeah, probably slightly louder version than our former curate, Rory Graham. Okay? So uh, best think of Rory. And Luther, was his nickname was God's Volcano. And uh, so Luther would be a louder version of Rory. Hard to believe, I know, but there we are. And uh, he was the initiator and the spark of the Reformation. And uh, the idea soon spread. So that was in 1517, okay? Four years later, he was being hooked up before the Holy Roman Emperor. And they have a meeting, and it was called, there we are, um, and uh, the meeting was called, uh, well, in German, I suppose it would be pronounced a Diet. But actually it's spelt Diet, and it was held in a place called Worms in Germany, which is spelt in English, Worms. So there you have the Diet of Worms. Okay? And he was, uh, Luther was held up before the, uh, the emperor there, and he was ordered to explain his teaching and recant, in other words, change his mind, or be burned for his heresy. And Luther was initially so intimidated by all the court finery that he, a monk, a mere monk, should be uh, standing before the emperor, uh, that he was hardly able to say anything on the first day. But on the second day, he found his voice, and he was ordered one final time to recant. And this is his final answer, for which he is world famous, especially the last line. He said this, I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not retract anything, since neither safe nor right to go against conscience. This is, this is the key bit. I cannot do otherwise. Here I stand. So help me God. Amen. Well, Luther, uh, the emperor soon declared Luther a, quote, manifest heretic. Uh, but Luther was already on his way back to Wittenberg, where he lived. He'd seen the writing on the wall, and uh, he was getting out. And on his way back, he was kidnapped. And uh, it looked, all intents and purposes, as if a bunch of people were going to take him off and just take his head off over in the woods somewhere. But actually, this kidnap was organized by a bloke called Frederick the Wise. We don't call people by these names these days. I think it's wish, with the wish they would. But anyway, Frederick the Wise had a castle at Wartburg, and he took Luther off. He was there, and he was there for about 10, 11 months. And during that time, he had a kind of really intense 11 weeks when he managed to translate the entire New Testament from Greek into German. And that translation transformed the German language. It changed the way they spoke German in the whole nation. And uh, uh, it was also at that time, things really began to crystallize in his theology. So he could say that his dream was that the people might seize and taste the pure word of God itself and hold to it. And Luther, he was a brave man. Uh, he's now been excommunicated by the Roman church. He's facing the wrath of the emperor. He's facing the wrath of the pope. Um, he, there's a threat that he's going, you know, if, you, if they find him, he's going to be burned at the stake as a heretic. And there's also another threat that if he's wrong... He's going to hell. Now, that's pretty tough stuff, isn't it? Um, But he is also, he is testimony, he he in his own life is testimony to the life-changing power of Scripture and that Martin Luther can now stare down the emperor and the pope and make his immovable affirmation, here I stand. 
And in later life, as Luther looked back on all this, he just said this, or he wrote this, I opposed indulgences and all the papists, but never with force. I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's words. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept and drank Wittenberg beer with Philip and Emsdorf, a couple of his mates, uh, the words so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. The words did everything. So uh, uh, that's, uh, that's him in the Diet of Worms. And uh, the next little subheading is the Bible. Um, it needed to be under... Can you have a click? And it, the Bible needed to be understandable and available. So as, as I mentioned, Luther translated it into German. Over here, Tyndale was translating it into English. And that's hugely significant. So the people could have a copy of God's word in their own common language. And that was, see, that was deeply threatening to the Roman Catholic Church or the Roman Church in those days because they were losing power. They were losing control over what was going on. People didn't need the church to tell them what to believe any longer. They could find out for themselves. And it wasn't just a translation of the Bible, but actually the printing press was being used, invented, and God's word was not only understandable now because it was in English rather than Greek or Latin or whatever, but actually it was available in your own language so you can read it for yourself. Everyone could read it. And that's a revolution. I can, listen to, I can listen to the voice of God direct. And then a word about the Church of England. Quick. There we are. And uh, now, there's no time to go into uh, 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 the birth of the Church of England under Henry VIII. But it's important to see the impact of sola scriptura, scripture alone, on us, on the Church of England. We are, uh, look at Article 6. Go home, get out your prayer book and look at Article number 6. It's headed, listen to this, of the sufficiency of the Holy Scriptures for salvation. Of the sufficiency of the Holy Scriptures for salvation. That's our church. You may not believe it when you kind of look around and when you hear about what's going on in the Church of England, but this is one of our fundamental founding, you know, um, basis, foundation of the Church of England. It's, 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 it's official, okay? The sufficiency of Scriptures for salvation. And that's a really important doctrine for us, the sufficiency of Scripture, because it's saying the Bible is enough. It's all we need to know about God and about salvation. We don't need more than that. It's the sufficiency of Scriptures. We don't need to add to it. God may speak in other ways, but he's promised to speak to us in the Bible. So why would you rely on other ways and neglect the Bible? That's just simply a foolish thing to do. And uh, despite what is happening in the Church of England and so on at the moment, let's be clear, the 39 articles, and as we're thinking of it this morning, number six, uh, they are still there and they are the official doctrine of the Church of England. So uh, that's a little, bit of, a little bit of history. Now a little bit of theology, uh, big item number two. Traditionally within the Christian Church, there are three sources of authority where we, where we can go to, Scripture, Tradition and Reason. Now, in the medieval church, before the Reformation, tradition and the, the, the tradition of the church and our reason, in other words, our thinking, uh, trumps all else. So it was even the case, if you were going to study theology, study a Bible, what you had to do, first of all, for, for a couple of years at least, I mean, you weren't allowed to go to university and study the Bible before you'd spent years studying ancient philosophy and church tradition. They, the church said, well, you can't hope to study the Bible on your own and expect to understand it. The Reformation said, oh, yes, you can. That's why Luther's lectures you saw in the Playmobil video, they, they, were, they were streaming in. The common people were streaming in because he was simply teaching them the Bible. 
In fact, he lectured through Romans. That kind of started the Reformation. Um, the, the Roman Catholic Church today, it's the, the official teaching is this. This is the Catechism of the Catholic Church, published in 92 with the approval of uh, Pope John Paul II. It says this, Both scripture and tradition must be accepted and honoured with equal sentiments of devotion and reverence. And it goes on to say, the task of interpreting the word of God authentically has been entrusted solely to the magisterium of the church, that is, to the Pope and to the bishops in communion with him. That means we're going to have to part company with our Roman Catholic friends, because we don't agree with that. It's Scripture alone. We don't need other people. It's Scripture alone. And so, therefore, uh, let's have a look. A, the medieval problem, the church there. Now, uh, the, the church in, 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 you know, in Luther's time, the church was, was teaching all sorts of error. Like the Pope speaks infallibly when he's making an official papal statement. Like saying the priest is some kind of intermediary between man and God. Like saying the bread and the wine are changed into Jesus' body and blood at the communion service. Like saying there's some particularly holy people who we can call saints and the church can agree as to whether they're saints or not. That's wrong. Actually, all Christian people are called saints in the Bible, for instance. And uh, uh, like saying that what goes on up here in this bit is kind of particularly holy and needs to be separated from uh, uh, from everyone else that's why you see medieval churches have a great big screen here and so the choir up here you can hardly see them or you bung an organ in the way or something actually uh, no this is a protestant church there's no difference between what goes on here and what goes on down there uh, apart from the fact that's leading or preaching or leading the music or leading the service slightly higher up so you can see us that's all now, see, this made all sorts of changes uh, to the Reformation, made all sorts of uh, uh, changes to the way that church is, is done, for instance. And the medieval church needed the Reformation. And that, frankly, there are still lots of uh, uh, places in the world today where uh, that Reformation still needs to be going on. Actually, uh, the re- reformers said Reformation is continuous. It never stops. It, 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 you know, and they would be saying, we need to be reforming the church, reforming ourselves day by day, month by month, week by week, today, now, under God's words. So, uh, talking of God's word, it seems slightly ironic that a sermon on Sola Scriptura, Scriptura, I should only turn to the Bible now, uh, but uh, here we are, B, the, uh, what Scripture says about itself. 2 Timothy 3.16, just read, well, we'll start at 15. Uh, How from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Breathed out by God and useful, profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. So, uh, do you want to be taught by God? about God, you want to know and understand about God, the place to go is the Bible. Actually, as you walk with Jesus in your Christian life, do you need to be rebuked and corrected? Well, the place to go is the Bible. Do you need to be trained in righteousness, in in right living? The place to go is the Bible. Do you want to be a servant of God? The place to go is the Bible. Do you want to be thoroughly equipped for every good work? The place to go is the Bible. And underlying all that is what it says in verse 15, that the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise 
for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So if you want to know how to be saved, if you want to know how to get to heaven when you die, then the Bible is the place to go. You don't need to go anywhere else. And you must go to the Bible. Now keep your finger on the page there if you would. And we're just going to uh, flick back to uh, the passage on page one. Uh, 1113 in Berea. And uh, uh, now there, how the early church used Scripture. <clears throat> this is uh, why the kitchen helpers on Formark are called Bereans. Because uh, as it says there in verse 11, um, <clears throat> the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness. And then what did they do? They examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. That's good, isn't it? They went to their touchstone. They knew that actually Paul, that Paul was here preaching to them, but they needed to go to the authority to work out whether this was true or not. So where did they go? They didn't go off to you know, anyone else. or They didn't sort of sit around and just you know, talk about it with books closed. They opened the scriptures to see if what they were being taught was true. That was a practice of the early church. They examined the scriptures. And so uh, that's a great example. Some things, are in, especially in the book of Acts, perhaps, uh, are there for, as an example for us to say, well, actually, this is something that we can do. This is something that we should be doing. Be checking out what is preached up front against scripture. That's why we, we preach from the Bible. Today's slightly different with a bit more history and theology. But, uh, but actually, that's what we need to do. To go to the scriptures and weigh against the scriptures what we're taught, what you get taught up front. So how about preaching? Well, let's go back to 2 Timothy, page 1197 there. And at the beginning of chapter 4, Steve didn't read this for us, wasn't asked to. And, uh, but at the beginning of chapter 4, it says this, uh, I give you this charge, preach the word. Preach the word. Not, not preach your own ideas, not preach uh, uh, other things, not preach the Daily Mail or whatever, but preach the words. Be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. If the Bible is the final and the total authority uh, on uh, salvation and how to live for God, why would you even consider preaching anything else? And we see, we need, to, we need to work out, we need to understand and recognize what's going on when we preach. So the reformers said, God is present when the word of God is preached in the gathering of the church. And they recognize that most of the time preaching can feel pretty ordinary. Sometimes it can feel pretty boring. But Luther said, for instance, you hear the voice of the preacher, you see the preacher... But God, as the preacher expounds God's word, God is addressing us to dispense eternal life through the eternal word of the scriptures. It was the uh, second Helvetic Confession which said this, the preaching of the word of God is the word of God. And uh, John Calvin, who was, uh, uh, I suppose you could say, he was the real brains behind the Reformation, uh, and uh, he was a quiet, reserved kind of character often. Um, but he said, that, or he wrote this, those who neglect this means, in other words, preaching, and yet hope to become perfect in Christ, are mad. Well, he went on a bit beyond that, but, uh, uh, but that was the start of his statement. 
So let's take preaching seriously. And let's look now as we head to a close at uh, a lot of application, at least a lot of application ideas. So three, a lot of application. Time for a click. And the first one uh, is how we kind of, how we do church. How we do church. If we're really expecting God to be present when the word of God is preached and uh, to be addressing his people as this happens, if we really believe 2 Timothy 3.16, for instance, is that clickable, Derek? be great if it is. Oh, oh that was a click, wasn't it? <laughs> it disappears altogether. Um, then, uh, uh, then actually, uh, we need to take this seriously, don't we? How can we prepare better for the sermon, week by week. There's a card at the back. It's a bit long and long-winded, so we're going to, uh, I'm going to rewrite that this week. It'll be available next Sunday. How can we listen better? Um, I always take notes on sermons because it helps me to concentrate. It helps me to listen better. And I always come equipped. Well, I always have my filofax and my pen with me. I always come equipped to take notes um, because it helps me listen and uh, focus better on what's going on. And if we really expect God to be present when the word of God is preached, and, uh, uh, and if we're discussing it and helping one of us apply it, say, in our small groups, then we're really going to want to be here, aren't we? Just imagine, just think what's going on right now, for instance. And it means we're also going to want to be part of a small group. And uh, so we can be there to, to help discuss things and help one another apply it. And, uh, uh, and if you'd like to join a small group, I hope you do. Then do come and see uh, me or Daniel at the end of the service. And of course, we go to the scriptures to tell us with authority on all sorts of, um, uh, of other things, as I mentioned earlier on, about the things the Reformation, uh, that they were learning and picking up in the Reformation, which is why they changed what churches looked like, for instance. Um, there are many, many more things there. But actually, uh, uh, the scriptures have changed historically and must continue to change the way we do church, what we do here. And there will be things that we look at and we understand and we read in the Bible. We're going to say, actually, we're going to do things differently uh, as a result, simply as a result of reading our Bibles. And if you read something in your Bible and you think, actually, that really ought to be making a difference to the way we do things at BH. Come and talk to us. Because it's not just, you know, it's not just, leaders we will, everyone has a role to play with this second thing here um an application or loads of areas of application is how we live life um i think the best thing i did this week was after the standing committee on uh, uh, whenever it was monday tuesday night uh, and three of us were left the others had, uh, had gone home but we're just talking about we got we just get, got to be talking about our uh, our bible reading this week we were using the same notes we um uh, we're uh, in leviticus which can be hard work at times it can also be brilliant at times and uh, uh, and that was just thrilling just to talk with a, a couple of other pe- people there uh, about our quiet times uh, in recent days Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone. It tells us the truth. The truth about salvation. The truth about God's will for our lives. And we read it. We're using the same notes. Explore Bible study notes. You can read it in a year. We can learn more about Scripture. The SGP, Sussex Gospel Partnership Courses, are going 
But, you know, you can still join in Tuesdays. Are you free on a Tuesday? You can still go with uh, a couple from here up to Haywards Heath on a Tuesday or on a Saturday morning. There's a Saturday morning course once a month as well you could go to as that to find out more, to learn more of the Bible. Those are great. They're brilliant. And then when big issues arise, where do we go to find the answers? So, for instance, January, February time, as I mentioned uh, at the six-monthly meeting, we're going to have four Sundays preaching on identity. And where do we go to find out about our identity? Where do we go to find out about issues of gender? Anna and I were in a, uh, coming back from um, uh, Suffolk last night. I had been at the wedding yesterday. I was doing a little talk there. And, uh, uh, and listening on the radio, and big issues, debates and so on, on the radio as we were coming back about gender. It's a big thing in our world, isn't it? What about the LGBTI stuff and great gay marriage and so on? Now, where do we go to find out what God says about those things? Now, we need to find out, so we'll listen to the BBC as we were in the car last night. Uh, But we won't go to the BBC for the authoritative definition of what God says about these matters, will we? And we won't go to uh, our newspaper. We won't just talk to our work colleagues and so on. We won't go to the internet. Why would you actually, why would you go to any of those things to find out what God says on the matter? So we're going to go to the Bible. Of course we will. It's God's word on these things. And it's, and it's really important. Actually, God's word clashes with what the world says. And when it does, what do we do? We need to stay with God's word. It's going to be hard and it's going to get worse. But that's what we do. Solar Scripture. Scripture alone. And then uh, finally, and uh, very briefly, uh, how we do evangelism. Church of England Article 6 should be a basis for our evangelism of the sufficiency of Scripture for salvation. That's why we use, for instance, Christianity Explored and Life Explored courses, because they take us to the Bible. Uh, we're actually invis- investigating using Alpha, the Alpha videos for our evangelism come January um, uh, because they're very, very good. But we've also got to ask, is it teaching the Bible? We need to be sure that they will be teaching us the Bible. That's where we go. So um, uh, I'm going to stop now uh, because there's a huge amount of stuff there. There's huge amounts of uh, application. But thank God for the Reformation. Thank God that they reasserted the scriptural necessity of Bible alone, Scripture alone, where we're guaranteed to find out the truth about salvation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Reformation. Thank you for people like Martin Luther, a man of huge courage. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to let these things seep, uh, seep, seep deeply into our hearts and minds and souls. And that we would naturally be people who say, for me, when I want to know the truth about eternity and the truth about how you would have us live on earth, for me, it's scripture alone. Amen.